Hello, welcome to Green Heritage Futures. My name is Lucy Latham and this is a podcast series showcasing the projects and voices of those working at the intersection of cultural heritage and climate change. This podcast is brought to you by Julie's Bicycle and is part of the European Union's Horizon 2020 Rock Project. In this episode of Green Heritage Futures, I am joined by David Harkin, climate change scientist at Historic Environment Scotland. David, thank you so much for joining us. Yep, my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me along. So I thought we'd kick off, because um, we're going to be asking people uh, the same question to start the conversation, which I think will be very interesting, interesting for other cultural heritage professionals. And that is, at what point in your career did you start to engage with topics of culture and heritage? And why did it feel pertinent um, to you? I, my background's a bit odd, in a sense, I guess. I didn't really start in either heritage or climate change, so to speak. I'm, I'm a geologist by trade, um, studied earth science at university, and then geological and environmental hazards as an MSc. And in sort of studying geology and whatnot, uh, you, you kind of get an appreciation for the, the landscapes, you know, the, the rock beneath your feet and whatnot. But then something switched and there was like an appreciation of the rock used in our heritage, you know, cultural heritage, the stone, sandstone used in the construction of so many incredible buildings up north. Um, limestone down here, I guess, in London is uh, just, just as common, if not more common. Uh, and it was that connection between the, our cultural heritage and the, the rocks beneath our feet and the landscape that they're in that kind of sparked that interest and uh, sort of formed a niche interest almost in um, sort of environmental science and heritage and was lucky enough to find a job that um, sort of satisfied both those interests. And here I am today. <laughs> Great. <laughs> And at that time, was there also the um, concern towards the natural environment and the implications of climate change and how that um, had relevance to cultural heritage? Yeah, so the, so the interest in climate change really started uh, during, in fact, it was both dissertations. So my dissertation at my undergrad and dissertation for my master's degree. And both of those were looking at how the decay rates of the stone used to build many aspects of our cultural heritage, how those decay rates are um, accelerating because of climate change. So you you quarry the stone, you build the building, it sits in its environment and it decays naturally anyway. Decay of stone is a very, very natural, always occurring process. But then you put climate change on top of that and climate change accelerates that decay rate and makes it worse. So, um, so yeah, so my dissertations were looking at how climate change was changing those decay rates focused particularly in the west of Scotland. And is that academic background something that you still use in your day-to-day work um, now, uh, working with Historic Environment Scotland? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, Historic Environment Scotland, by its very definition, is an organisation jam-packed full of archaeologists and historians and and sort of other researchers like that. And there's a small contingent of geologists based in there. And I guess the skills that the skills and knowledge that we bring to that sort of uh, wider range of expertise is really invaluable because in Scotland and the the properties that we look after specifically, so there's there's 336 monuments that we look after up north. I think just about every single one of them has a stone component to it. Mm-hmm. So so those sort of skills lend themselves well um, to that line of research. But I guess 
the sort of day-to-day geology that I once uh, was doing quite regularly, I'm not doing so much of anymore. So it's branched out into the sort of risk management and understanding the wider impacts of climate change on our historic environment. So, so not just the physical processes, also the sort of impacts on the organisation itself. Now, that sounds very interesting. Um, in terms of the impacts on the organisation, could you uh, elaborate a little bit more there? Yeah, um, HE, well, Historic Environment Scotland is a, it's a huge organisation. There's about 1,400 people that work there and it's spread right across the country. So we have head offices in Edinburgh, but we have sites and depots and uh, you know sort of other infrastructure dotted all around Scotland. So the impacts of climate change on organisational practices uh, we're already feeling the effect of that, but we also need to try and think about what the impacts will be in the future to try and increase our resilience and, you know, to try and sort of weather that change, in a, I guess, in a more robust manner. So a lot of our staff are out working on sites all the time, you know, they're taking care of the properties day to day and climate change changes so, so many aspects of that. So, yeah, we need to kind of get ahead of the curve. Absolutely. So in terms of the opportunities presented to cultural heritage and also from cultural heritage, you know, what do you think heritage really brings to the challenge of climate change and environmental sustainability? I love this question because I, I, I don't think people really realise how important cultural heritage is in understanding the impacts of climate change and in preparing for the future. So we, as an industry or as a sector, have this really unique perspective of time. So uh, again, from a Historic Environment Scotland perspective, we look after uh, 336 sites that document over 5,000 years of Scotland's history. And those sites record past environmental change. They record evidence of how people have had to change their, their practices in the past to cope with changes in the climate, because the climate has always changed. But what makes it different now is the, the pace and the rate of change. So we can we can really learn a lot from the past that's sort of quite appropriate, or not quite appropriate, very relevant um, for, for the future. Um, we, we also have a captive audience, which I think we forget about sometimes. So last year in Scotland, or sorry, in 2017 in Scotland, there were over 18 million individual visits made to an historic site in Scotland. That's 18 million people that actively seek us out as an industry. And if we can lead by example, and if we can show how we're changing um, and how we're sort of preparing for the impacts of climate change, then perhaps those people, they don't only take home a good experience of coming to a historic site, they're taking home, you know, some sort of other message, you know. There's something in that somewhere, I think. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, completely agree. So what we really want to do within this podcast is to also pull out kind of advice and recommendations, um, learnings from, from your experience of how how else we can really support cultural heritage professionals who are starting to engage with these topics so what you know would you like to convey to others working in this space um good question it's a big question uh, i guess that i guess the answer to that is that uh, climate change is such a huge overwhelming issue that sometimes it feels like there, there's no hope but that's not the case we we we, we are sort of bombarded with negative publication, well not negative publication, but we're bombarded with all these like bad news stories about climate change and it, it does get quite overwhelming. But there's a really active 
core group of researchers out there who are doing a lot of really good work to try and prepare ourselves for the impacts of climate change. So you've got to find those people and you've got to make those partnerships. You've got to seek out the organisations that have the same sort of, not even the same remit, but have the, the that, ha that want or have the same end goal in mind. Form those working partnerships, work together, work collectively. And it, 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 I guess it just makes the, it makes the job easier. I guess you you can you cannot you cannot do this job in isolation. You've got to find the right people out there and work with them. And you know you're looking for someone. There'll be people out there also looking for someone. You just yeah make the connections. Use Twitter. Twitter is incredible. Like uh, the amount of people out there that are posting stuff every day about their research, it's insane. And we've certainly made um, back at Historic Environment Scotland. We've certainly made a lot of really important working relationships out of seeing people on Twitter, getting in touch with them, getting in touch with them, asking them more. Uh, it, yeah, it's an insanely useful tool. But, oh, yeah, get yourself out there and speak to people. Great. So encouraging more join-up, um, sharing practice, building communities. It's all part of a, a move towards deeper resilience um, within the sector generally and resilience to a changing climate. That's right. Don't don't reinvent the wheel yourself. You know, there's people out there that are doing the same thing as you, almost certainly, or that want to do the same thing as you, almost certainly. So yeah, find those people and just strike up those connections, and it it just leads to a much more um, beneficial and um, meaningful change if you're working together and all moving towards the same goal in the end. I guess. Well, certainly that from our perspective, that's what we think anyway. And Scotland as a country has a very ambitious um, climate change programme and targets. And I understand that last year um, you conducted a climate change risk assessment. Um, so I wonder what kind of things came out of that process? Yeah, that is a very good point. We're, we're extremely fortunate in Scotland in that the Scottish government has quite an ambitious programme of climate change targets and as a public sector body, Historic Environment Scotland, that really makes our job easier. It means we can change things easier than if that sort of legislative foundation wasn't there. And we don't just do this stuff because we're legislated to do it, we do it because it's the right thing to do as well. I think that's always important uh, to, to talk about. Uh, but the risk assessment that you talked about specifically, yes, we published that last January now, and that was uh, an assessment of natural hazard risk at the 336 properties that we look after. That project itself was carried out in partnership with the British Geological Survey and the Scottish Environment Protection Agency. And both those, both those organisations provided us with um, data sets to use in this risk assessment process. So that's a good example of working with other organisations to you know, sort of get something out of data that already exists. So out of that risk assessment process, we identified 28 of the 336 sites we look after. We identified those being at very high risk of natural hazards, such as flooding, coastal erosion, landslides, that sort of thing. And the link there with climate change is clear. Um, stuff like flooding happens because of the weather we get day to day. Climate change changes that. So with climate change, flooding becomes more regular and becomes more severe. So we have a good idea now of, or we have a good baseline, essentially, of risk across our state to natural hazards like that. So we can now use that data to help plan future work like maintenance and conservation in a really much more strategic 
manner, which is which is really important because there's only a limited money, a limited pot of money out there. So we need to make sure we're doing stuff sensibly, and that sort of data helps us do that. Okay, so David, um, any final remarks? Yes. Um, oh, where to start? Um, final remarks from me would be that. Um, Historic Environment Scotland, so that's who I'm here representing today, that's who I work for. We are very much open and willing to working with others who have a sort of similar goals and a, a sort of similar um, end goal in sight, I guess. You know, we're very keen and we very much see the benefits in working closely with others uh, to achieve meaningful climate action. So if, if anything I've said today sparks an interest uh, to anyone listening, then um, please, yeah, please do. Uh, get in touch or message me on Twitter or um, email me whatever um, and we can, we can see how we can sort of work together to uh, achieve meaningful climate action. Yes. <laughs> Thank you once again to David Harkin, climate change scientist at Historic Environment Scotland. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to learn more from you and uh, from your perspective. Thank you. Thank you very much for having, having me on the podcast. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to Green Heritage Futures, a podcast by Julie's Bicycle as part of the European Union's Horizon 2020 Rock Project. Julie's Bicycle is a London-based charity that supports and empowers the creative community to act on climate change and environmental sustainability. Check out our website for more information. Thanks for listening.